In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to go closer to your most sacred heart. Help us to know your Son and to respond to it with conversion of heart. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In my time in seminary, there was always a, a holy hour on Thursdays. No, community holy hour we had to be at. At, at 8 p.m. 7 p.m. 8 p.m. And then, and then once a month, they would, it would, the adoration would remain until the next morning mass, 7 a.m. We would take shifts in the middle of the night to pray. as our sacrifice to Jesus. As we would take, come in twos and we would sign up for it. We would take the middle of the night, you'd come and you'd pray for an hour, and then you'd go back to sleep and someone would relieve you. So one time, uh, about like my fourth or fifth year in seminary, during this time of adoration, they were doing construction on the ceiling of the, of the chapel. It's a very beautiful chapel. They were doing construction. Right around like 2 or 3 in the morning, the person who had that holy hour shift, they heard something from the ceiling, thought nothing of it, thought it was like the vents or whatever. And then he saw like dust falling from the ceiling, didn't know why. Eventually he looked up and realized the ceiling was on fire because they were doing construction. So he freaked out, as is obvious, and he ran to the front security guard and they called for the fire department, and then he ran to the vice rector of the seminary, the kind of the guy in charge of operations of the seminary, told him what happened, and then they went throughout the entire seminary, over 100 seminarians, just knocking on doors. Wake up, wake up, there's a fire, leave. So, middle of the night, imagine being woken up in the middle of the night, like with that banging on your door, like there's a fire, so you just kind of throw on a coat because it was winter, and ran outside. The fire department came, and there was water everywhere. Water damage was just everywhere. The chapel was closed for like a year. But if he hadn't been there at that time, at that random day of holy hour adoration, at that night, it could have been devastating. It could have been ten times, a hundred times worse. The whole chapel could have burned down. It could have collapsed. People could have died. could have like breathed in all the smoke and died. Who knows how the terrible things that could have happened if that guy, a seminarian who's now a priest, didn't take action, observe that was on fire, take action, help other, all his other brothers, and then really kind of put us all to work to, to help clean up thereafter. But he did. And he saved us, really. So that story came to mind when I was reading the gospel. Because of, of all the, the, the parable is the weeds amongst the wheat, the evil amidst the good that is in the world. And I was praying with that because... There's a super subtle phrase that Jesus says as he's given this parable. He says, The sower went out and he sowed good seed. And then, while men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed the weeds amongst the weeds. And then they rose up all these things. That phrase really stuck with me. As men slept, as they were sleeping, instead of being vigilant and protecting and defending, they slept. People sleep. And really think about that. That the desire of God in the world is only good. Only good. What happens if you're alive for more than 35 seconds in this existence? You realize that there's evil in the world. That there's, that there's anger and there's frustration and there's just there's bad things that have constantly happened in the world from Adam, Adam and Eve until today. So where is the weeds amongst the wheat? And we hear the here in Isaiah too, the beauty of it. Because the weed, the, the word that's used, I don't know the Greek word, but in Chaldean, the, the plant that's used that grows next to the wheat is a plant that looks like wheat when it grows, when it's a little shrub. But once it grows bigger, you can tell the difference. And it's bitter and it doesn't satisfy, it's good for nothing. It's literally just a weed you pick from your garden 
and you throw them in the garbage, right next to the wheat. They look similar. It looks like it's a good, but it's not. It's bitter. And Isaiah says today about, about the weeds amongst the wheat, about the, the fool. It says, The fool speaks folly, and his mind plots inequity. To practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, and to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. Meaning what? The weed sown amongst the wheat won't satisfy. It's bitter. It's not like bread. You can make bread out of it. It's nothing. It's literally useless. And it just, it happens so much. So we pray about this to follow my logic here. That in the modern day, today, right today, in this world today, there are weeds amongst the wheat. Things that look good, look appetizing, but they will never satisfy. And we as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, cannot sleep. We can't be like this parable. As men slept, evil happened in this world. Imagine that seminarian had slept the destruction that would have happened. We have to fight against. We have to be vigilant in the kingdom of God, and it's on us. So think of, think of the, the things in this world that we've been lied to, the weeds sown amongst the wheat, the perceived good that is not good. Think of abortion. Think of the transgender movement. Think of the homosexual agenda. Think of all these things, the over-sexualization of the world. Think of pornography. These things that have embedded themselves in the world today and have been destructive. They're like what Isaiah says. They're food that cannot quench hunger or cannot quench thirst. It can't happen. We have to fight against this. We have to be the voice of reason and logic in a world that has lost its mind. It really has. And we have to be the voice of Christ. We have to be the wheat amongst the weed. We have to be part of that. Think of something very specific. For example, there's something called Proposal 3, which we're going to preach about a lot until, until election. And, it's, and it uses the phrase, quote-unquote, reproductive freedom. Okay. Which means what? What does that mean? You have the freedom to, to choose to have children. No, what it means is your 14-year-old child, up until their ninth month of pregnancy, can choose to have an abortion. That's how extreme it goes. That your 12-year-old child wants to have a transgender change, they can do that. This is on the ballot. Are we going to vote? We have to vote no against this. We have to be men who sit there and people who sit there and say, what are we going to do with this? We have to fight against. We have to act. We can't sleep. But where is the balance? Here the balance is this. This is the Christian struggle and the Christian balance. Is that as Christians, we're all broken. As Christians, we've all fall short of the kingdom. So as human Christians who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, homosexuals, trans, those who've had abortions, those who struggle with sexuality, are welcome in the kingdom. In fact, they are children of the kingdom. And that's whom Jesus Christ has come to die for, ourselves included. And they're welcome in this church, and they're welcome to love God. But the agenda... The agenda is there. And there's, there's a lot of parents, a lot of kids here, you're scared. You're frustrated. You don't know what to do because you're like Father Pierre. The schools have lost their mind. The, the world has lost their minds. And if it keeps going in this direction, what are we going to do? We, we, we're so anxious about it. My prayer for you is this. First, act. Right? My friend in the seminary, he saw the fire. And he responded by going to the authorities. Vote. We have to vote no on this proposal of three. We have to. Then what? Immediately thereafter, go to your brothers and sisters. 
Go to those who may be in harm's way and tell them the truth of the beauty of the gospel of Jesus, the beauty of the gospel of life, the gospel of freedom, the gospel of a pro-life movement, the gospel of love, of God's mercy. We're all broken. We've all made mistakes. We've all had our problems in our, in our hearts and in our souls. But we're all called to love God. We're all called to rest in the mercy of God. And we can't lose hope. Because we can get there very quickly if, if, if you're following my logic, if you, if you agree with me, really. If you agree with the church. And what could happen very easily? Think of what St. Paul is struggling with today. St. Paul, like, he's, he's struggling. He's like, listen, I want to be with Jesus. I want to die and go be with Jesus. This world is over. I want to be with God. But... I'm here today. He says, for, to, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's battling. If it is to be life in the flesh, that means more fruitful labor for me. Yet which, is I, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between two. My desire to depart and be with Christ is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all. For you progress your joy in the faith. Meaning what? The temptation is to be like, oh, hopelessness, the world is doomed, the world's on fire, everything's going to be a disaster, why are we doing this? That's the devil. That's the evil one. We are people of hope. We are people who are followers of Jesus. My brothers and sisters, are we at war? Are we battling for the very nature of the Christian family, of the life in the womb, of normalcy and sexuality? Yes. We are absolutely battling this. Are we frustrated and losing hope? No, because Jesus Christ already conquered all. He is the life source. He is our goal for all of this. It has to come in Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We vote. We protect our brothers and sisters. And most importantly, my brothers and sisters, we pray. We pray, we pray, we don't stop praying. We must trust in God. We must rely on the grace of God to endure and to persevere and to save because only Christ can do it. For example, this month, just started October, this month we were dedicating to the rosary. As throughout the entire church, the church dedicates this month to the rosary, Our Lady of the Rosary. We're going to pray the rosary. It is the battle. It is the weapon that we're going to use. Super quiet, simple, prayerful, powerful weapon. And we pray our rosaries. And the goal is, we have a goal for this month, the goal is to get one million rosaries prayed throughout the world. I paid mine today. I'm one in a million. Okay? So we can do that. And we can absolutely do this. And we're going to pray for, the, for our own conversion. We're going to pray for the family. We're going to pray for the, the pro-life movement. We're going to pray for vocations. We're going to be part of the solution. We have to be. My brothers and sisters, we're in our battles. But the beauty is this. I wanna, I'll end with this. You're absolutely battling for the pro-life movement. We are absolutely battling for your families. We are absolutely battling for healthy sexuality in the world today that's massively overly sexualized. But we're not fighting a war. We're fighting battles. Because the war has already been won by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory that Christ has already conquered. And our hope rests in Him. Yet we still fight on. Yet we still persevere. Yet we still rest our hope in Our Lady, in the Rosary, in the Holy Spirit, and the grace of God. Amen.